Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Marlboro Free Libraries podcast, the story of Marlboro, the past, present, and the future. My name is Lindsay, and I'm the adult services librarian at the Marlboro Free Library. Just some background for those tuning in for the first time. This project is funded by a Libraries Transforming Communities grant awarded to the library by the American Library Association. One of our goals in receiving this grant is to highlight and work together with local businesses in our community. Through community conversations with local business owners in Marlboro, which was part of this grant project, we realized that one way we could support our local business owners is by highlighting their stories through a podcast and as a new tour on our Discover Marlboro app. Our podcast features the individual stories of business owners in Marlboro who participated in this grant project and their insights on how the library can partner with its local business community. Tune in each week to listen as we interview a different business owner around town to hear the story of their business, why they got started, why did they choose Marlboro, their thoughts on collaborations with their local libraries, and to learn more about our small town. For more information on our Discover Marlboro app, visit marlborolibrary.org. We hope you enjoy these interviews. I'd like to welcome our guest speaker, Ashley Poland, who is a local illustrator here in Marlboro. So I just wanted to start off by saying thanks for letting us interview you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, of course. So first off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself personally and when you started illustrating? Okay, well, um, I've lived in Marlboro my whole life. Um, I think it's a wonderful place to live. <laughs> um, I think I, my elder sister liked to draw a lot, so I wanted to be like her. So I'd always be drawing in middle school. I started doing like comics and writing stories. So I really liked illustrating my own stories. And then I attended art school, Hartford Art School in Connecticut. And I uh, had some really wonderful professors. I loved, I loved going there. I learned so much and I've used those skills to just continue illustrating. Very cool. Do you have a favorite medium? Uh, watercolor. Watercolor is my go-to. I'm most comfortable using that. I really like uh, a lot of other mediums, but watercolor just seems to be the easiest for me. I, I've tried oil takes so long to dry. Uh, acrylic is so fast. And then watercolor just seems like it's, I'm just so used to working with it. It's easier to, to figure out for me. <laughs> that's very cool. I always feel like watercolor is so tricky because it's too much water. It all blends together. So yeah. Yeah. Really and I, I don't feel like I use it the way a lot of people do. I see like a lot of tutorials online and I'm like, oh, that's not the way I work with it at all. <laughs> what do you do differently? Um, well, it seems like they have more of a, um, a flowing sort of style where they'll like wet the, the paper or the board and then sort of let the watercolors flow where they may. And I think I have a bit more of a controlled uh, layers. We kind of learned in school to do like washes and layers and like build up more, um, working with it more, I guess. It's hard to describe, but it's, it's a little different, I think, than what is commonly online, I feel like. <laughs> Now, you said you that you grew up your whole life in Marlboro. Do you think this has uh, any inspiration on your artwork? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I just think the Hudson Valley is such a beautiful place to live. Um, when I've traveled, I've, you know, seen a lot of different landscapes and things. And I just love the, the rolling hills and the river. And I just think it's we're so lucky to live in such a beautiful place. So um, 
whenever I can, I, you know, I try, I haven't had a lot of time lately, but I'll try to get outside and do like a landscape or, you know, some you know, plain air, watercolor. So that's on my list this year to do more of. So hopefully I'll get the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to getting outside more. I know I have the pleasure of following you on social media and I saw recently that you were painting down by the Hudson River and I just feel like we're so lucky to, to have the Hudson River right in our backyard. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> So to get back on something you said before, that you grew up in Marlboro, you actually have generations of family that have lived here. Can you tell us more about your family's history and their ties to Marlboro? Yeah. Um, so actually, I didn't even know that my family had such deep roots in Marlboro for the longest time until I, until I got into genealogy and started researching my tree. Um, I'm currently kind of focusing on my great-grandparents on my dad's side. Harry and Adelaide, and they um, lived right on the land. Well, they farmed the land that I'm living on right now. Oh, that's so which cool. Is, yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, it's nice to have that um, living connection, you know, current connection happening. Um, on Adelaide's side, it's funny, her, her grandfather, David DeVoe, was a blacksmith from New Jersey. He bought a farm in Milton in 1857. And he, you know, started farming, he changed his career, um, had a daughter, Minnie, and she married a man from the city, and they moved down to New Jersey, so back where her father had started. <laughs> and it's funny, because her daughter married a man from Marlboro. No so, way. <laughs> so, you know, they probably knew each other because she had family in Milton, and he lived in Marlboro. So Harry and Adelaide got married and lived in a house that's actually just a couple houses down from where I live right now. And um, I always knew my grandfather um, lived right around the corner uh, with my, you know, my grandmother, obviously. <laughs> and they lived right around the corner, but I never realized that that house actually had, um, what, four generations of my family living in it. Five generations, if you count us just visiting my grandparents. <laughs> so, um, and there's just like a lot of history around it. It, it really does make me feel a lot more connected to Marlboro and, and the town's history and everything. So um, I'm also, I never knew I had uh, some distant cousins in town too. I'm related to the Griners, the Cosmans, and the Borchards. So. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. pretty cool to find out. Yeah. So your family goes back all the way to the 1850s here. Yeah. On the DeVoe side, um, on the other, there's another side of my family that it goes a little bit earlier than that. The Rands. But I just haven't figured out when they actually settled in Marlboro or if they were from Marlboro originally, which so it could be earlier. And um, they married like in the Cosman family. But um, the I'm not sure where uh, Stephen Rand came from originally, but he was like one of my earliest Marlboro ancestors. <laughs> wow. And are you thinking he was here earlier than the 1850s or? It's possible. It's just hard to tell. The, the censuses are kind of vague um, once you get past like the 1850s. So it's like hard to tell if you have the right person or not because it doesn't list the entire family. So I'm like, this could be him. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any fun stories that you like to tell about your family? Any crazy stories that got passed along generations? Oh, well, the house around the corner from me, I guess, we'd always grow up hearing copperhead stories, you know, like the, the copperheads would come down from the mountain and they, you know, watch out. I found a newspaper article about my great, great grandmother and her daughter and how she was like, don't come outside, Nellie, there's a copperhead on the porch, you know? <laughs> and then um, my grandmother, her, you know, that would be her like granddaughter, 
the lady I just talked about, she um, used to shoot them with a shotgun um, until the story goes, she almost shot her own foot. So then she decided not to play with the shotgun anymore oh, <laughs> and put it away. Um, so the story goes, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> so, and then I have photographs of my grandfather, like holding up like a dead copperhead. So they, they did come around, I guess. Although, I mean, I haven't seen one knock on wood. I hope I never will. So <laughs> After hearing stories like this being passed down, do you feel more connected to Marlboro knowing, knowing these? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think before I kind of just, I felt like we, you know, maybe we came more recently and then finding out that we had such deep roots here in town um, really makes me feel more connected to it when uh, we're at the library and we're looking at the local history photos and stuff. I, I can kind of imagine, oh, this is what it looked like my great grandparents were, you know, walking down the street back in like 1915, like this is kind of what they experienced. So that led to me, um, I started doing all these like little mini portraits of all my ancestors. So I'd have a little, um, just little tiny little acrylic, like two and a half by three inch uh, mini portraits. And I scanned them and I, I made like a, a blog where I started to do um, I started to share stories um, about my ancestors and just have some illustrations because I the two of my favorite things are uh, right now genealogy and art and I just found a way to combine them and it's like you know you end up with something even more special I think. Now you've illustrated a few books for some local authors uh, can you tell us about this illustration process did you oh, approach yeah. the local authors or did they come to you how did this all work out? So I think it was mostly a uh, word of mouth. Uh, I have some friends who uh, recommended me to some some of their friends or relatives. So they um, used, they approached me, and um, I've got a, a bit of a list here now. I think we had Jody Labdell Bolson was the first, and then uh, Emily Omoya did a book with her, and um, then we have uh, Linda Lapola. And I uh, just recently worked with uh, Brenda Halstead. She wrote a poem about colors and she's in the process of figuring out how she wants to get that published, maybe self-published, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, so the process is, they kind of give me the, uh, what they have written. Okay. Try to figure out how many pages it might be, like a standard uh, children's book is usually like, you know, how many pages. Uh, how we wouldn't break that up. And then I'd start doing some small thumbnails, kind of okay. get the gist of what I think I might want to, um, how visually tell the story. Um, I'd usually meet with the uh, author and see if, you know, that meets their approval, if they like the direction I'm going before I get too detailed. Um, then I'll usually do some pencil sketches, larger. They meet with them again, you know, make sure it's all, you know, what they're envisioning and if they want to change anything. Um, and then I'd get started probably on the, the watercolors. Um, I should be, I should be doing more of a, um, color comp kind of, you know, to make sure, but I'm, I have a little bit, I have an impatient watercolor style. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just dive right in. So then sometimes I'll end up doing the same painting three times in a row when I, I could have just done it once if I had properly done the, the study first, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess I have a very impatient sort of style. So <laughs> what is a color comp? Oh, so that's just usually you do like a small um, little illustration of what you plan to do and you can kind of play around with the colors. You can do a couple of different ones 
and you just want to, you know, have a, a just a general overview of how the colors are going to be and if they're working and if you need to change something, if it's, you know, too washed out or okay. you need to get, amp up the shadows or something like that. It's an easy, easy visual way to kind of, you know, judge that ahead of time. So, and then you also just, when you go to do the big painting, everything's planned out. You don't have to think about what color is this going to be and you can kind of judge how it all go, comes together ahead oh, of time. Yeah. <laughs> Now, do the authors come to you with a style preference in mind, or how do you how do you decipher what the illustrator really wants their um, their story to come to life on the pages? Sometimes, like for um, the toddler room, uh, the first book had been drawn by a different author, so we just wanted to do something similar to that. Not exactly the same, but like along the same sort of um, cartoon style, you know. Okay. But um, maybe a little bit more of my twist on it. And then for the other books I worked on, it was mostly, they were all pretty open to what I wanted to do. So that was nice. And um, I just sort of drew what I felt went with the story. And usually they were like, okay, good. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Drawing from inspiration, do you think the, the town of Marlboro has shaped or influenced your illustrations at all when working with the authors? I think so. Um, I mean, especially uh, there was one that took place in an apple orchard. So, of course, <laughs> definitely uh, had plenty of places to go get some reference photos to, you know, look at uh, these apple trees and everything. So, um, but I definitely feel like if I'm illustrating something, it's usually something from my experience. So that I like to think of and, you know, draw inspiration from. So definitely they... Um, Marlboro and the Hudson Valley definitely have a big influence. Yeah. Yeah, especially Marlboro. There's so many, so much, many orchards, wineries around. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's one orchard I always drive by and I always want to stop and, and just paint it. And really? I, I haven't found the time yet. I don't know, like, if I'd get yelled at if I pulled over <laughs> at that portion of the road. But every time I drive by, I'm like, oh, I just want to paint that, you know? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I know, so beautiful, especially back in the hills of Marlboro. There's some really beautiful spots. Exactly, yeah. Do you think, how do you think the library could support other local artists? Oh, um, well, one thing I know I use the library for is, um, you know, the kind of books that are available are some oftentimes like the art books are just so expensive. And going to the library and being able to, you know, check out all these works on like, you know, Da Vinci or whoever you're interested in and um, they have like wonderfully printed reproductions and you can just study them um, at your leisure or um, books like uh, Animal Anatomy for Artists by uh, Elliot Goldfinger is such a good one. Um, yeah. I would check that out on a regular basis until I, you know, I broke down and I bought it because I was using it so much. <laughs> but like things like, you know, books like that are just really fantastic. Um, and I know that like local libraries will feature, you know, they'll let people use community rooms for like an exhibit, you know, things like that. Like, that's just really great. Um, I think the libraries are indispensable. I agree. I, there's, there's so many things that we can use the library for, especially like you said, our books are so expensive and it's just really a great spot for the community to come together. Um, yeah. You actually had your hand in helping the library develop their Discover Marlboro app. Yep. With your experience with the app, how do you think that the app could actually help local businesses in the community? 
Uh, I just think it, it's so great to create an awareness of um, all the the things that have gone on in this town. And it kind of makes you more um, appreciative for the stories that are around you right now. Um, that, you know, I, it makes me curious about like, oh, how did this person get started in this business? Why did they decide to, you know, open it at this point? Um, what, you know, kind of um, what it went into their story, like who helped them, you know, things like that. When you're digging into the past, um, it does definitely make you think about the present and you just want to ask a lot of questions. And I think that this app helps answer them. So part of the um, parameters for the grant that we got awarded was having community conversations, uh, reaching out to local business owners, getting their thoughts on how we could um, utilize our Discover Marlboro app to, to further support them. And part of um, the information that came out that we got from these community conversations was um, using it as a medium to, to highlight our local businesses in town. Um, how do you think the library could benefit from having these community conversations going forward? Um, well, I definitely think uh, just any sort of partnership you can forge with your community is really valuable and um, we could, um, you know, just have like programs and things and maybe fundraising partnerships and things like that. Um, I really think it would just be great just to open up these channels of communication um, and really, you know, create this community that we can all be proud of. Yeah, I think we've seen Barbara, especially uh, with the influx of people that have moved up during the pandemic, we've seen that Marlboro is starting to really to change. There's a lot of projects happening. Um, so I feel like there's so many things that we might not be aware of that these community conversations can really help us um, get a better understanding of our community. Um, and I wanted to thank you for being a part of these conversations. Thank you so much for having me. Nice chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the story of Marlboro, the past, present, and the future. 